You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. And welcome to this edition of At The Mic. I'm your host, Keith Malinak. One of the many shows at Blaze TV is the very popular Chad Prather Show. And one of the personalities who make it work is the ubiquitous party foul Steve. Steve Powell sat down with me to talk about his favorite music, his connection to dog racing that led to his perfect nickname, and he and I discussed a rite of passage for any child growing up in the South, our early encounters with fire ants. Party foul Steve. Steve Powell is my guest on this edition of At The Mic. I appreciate you making time for me, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. I hope I'm the absolutely best guest you've had so far. And we haven't even started. We don't know yet. We won't know till after, and then we'll we'll all know. No, I think here in the first 10 seconds, in the first 10 seconds, we've already determined you are. Oh, so, well, yeah, nice. See, yeah. 10 seconds in, and that's, I'm already the best. That's pretty awesome. That's a great start there. So no pressure the rest of the way. So you at the Blaze family, at Blaze TV... I mean, what is your exact title? I don't want to say I, sidekick. I don't want to say producer. What would I call you in relation to what you do with Chad Prather? I like to call myself the co-host, even though that's ah. not a that's a non-official title because it, it's always crazy because people, oh, you work at the Blaze and this and that. I so, said, no, I get to go to the Blaze and I get to be on Chad's show <laughs> because I work for Chad. Uh huh. And so, so you're you're allowed to call yourself the co-host because I'm not allowed. Pat Pat I, Gray will not allow me. I just tell everybody I am. <laughs> what are they going to say? No, you're not. Uh, okay, you then should, I'm not. Then should, I'm gonna just mm-hmm. i'm gonna just go with it put that on a business card i i put it everywhere it's on social media co-host of chad prather show i'm I the like co-host that. of beer for brunch another podcast yeah i you know i'm also do uh several other things and i always call myself the co-host because i'm always with some other uh guy with talent <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like the non-talent everybody says well what talent do you have i had i have zero talent except for I hang out with talented people. There, see, that's all you need to do. It's be in the right place at the right time. It's a good way to look at it, Steve. Okay, so where were you born? Where, where were you hatched? I was hatched in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. I spent some time there. Yeah, I did too, about four years. I, I moved out of there when I was four years old. Oh, smart man. I mean, I'm sure it's lovely. Yeah. Do you remember anything? I don't remember there? anything. No? Uh, I don't remember anything while I was there. Okay, well... I mean, no offense, Houston, but good for you, Steve. Cause yeah, we moved about 80 miles north of Houston, up in Polk County, and I grew up there. Okay, so you don't remember anything in Houston. No. What, what is your earliest memory then? My earliest memory is, uh, it's kind of traumatic. Um, I, we moved up uh, near my grandparents in East Texas, uh-huh. and uh, my grandmother, I would stay with her, and my grandfather, he was a Baptist preacher, and my mom and dad would go to work, and I would stay with them. And I was, you know, four years old. I was four years old playing in a rock pile. And uh, my grandfather was a kind of carpenter. Uh, he was a preacher, but he also did carpentry and stuff like that. And he was over there on the saw, and he's cutting all kinds of stuff up. And thing. I'm playing in the ant bed and in a, in a rock pile yeah. in the middle of an ant bed oh no and i remember having to strip all my clothes off oh. and i'm just covered with ants fire ants and yeah originally you think this is going to be some tragic story about my grandfather right. no yeah, it's why'd you set it up it, like that, I, I did but i then i kind of blew it but uh I, I that's honestly, the kind of but i was covered in ants and i had to strip off all my clothes and uh that's what I. That's my first memory. Wow! But it was tragic. I mean, yeah. you're a little four year old kid covered with ants. But you're totally right. I thought you were going to say something along the lines of, and I remember my grandfather screaming and looking over, and he was short one hand. 
<laughs> no, I mean, that would have... Well, he, he was screaming. Everybody was screaming. My grandmother comes out the yeah. door and stripping clothes off. Sure, I mean... And, they, and water hose. Right. The whole world. kids in the South, our memories as kids are dealing with fire ants. Yeah. And stripping down and trying to get them all off of your body and stuff. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely right. You know, one thing that I learned recently, and it really does work, is keep limes in your fridge, right? Yeah. And you apply that to where the ants bit you. And it really relieves some of that pain. Well, that, and I've also heard Windex, because the ammonia in it, you just spray all the ant bites. And I don't think kids these days have to worry about that too much. They don't play outside. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know, man. Uh, I am constantly battling them. It becomes a a, a mess in my yard. The struggle is real. The struggle with fire ants is real, especially, you know, down here in the South where they are everywhere. Uh, Okay. You grew up a place called Corrigan, Texas. Yep. Okay. And that's in Polk County, you said? Polk County. Okay. Uh, what are some other uh, childhood memories that come to mind from that era? Were you uh, there your entire childhood then? Yeah, or? from there on up. Um, my dad was a police officer in my hometown. Okay. And so I grew up, and my mom was a high school English teacher. Uh-huh. And so I grew up in that small town, and everybody knew who I was and knew who Wait. my parents were. And oh, no, is that good or it was, bad? It's it's both good and it's bad. Uh-oh. It's, uh, there's nothing that ever happened. That, <laughs> know. You know, You know, as, as teenagers and stuff, the crazy stuff we did as teenagers, yeah. uh, my parents always knew it before I ever got home. See, now, that's not cool. It was like someone would call. You know, and back then, you know, yeah. I can even remember on into it when my dad was chief of police. Everyone in town had his home phone number. Oh, no. They didn't call the police department. They called him. Oh, no. And so, and then they would set the narrative before you could get home yeah, with before the I could, truth. Yeah. The truth, the, yeah, in quotes. Quote. Yeah, I'm looking up Corrigan, Texas here. Uh, population? Uh, oh, 1,500? Yeah, 1,595. There you go. Yeah. So, okay. Hadn't changed much at all. <laughs> that's mm. awesome. Except I'm not there, and I hadn't been back in a very long time. <laughs> uh-huh. Is that good or bad? I don't I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I stopped by there about nine or ten months ago. We went through on a tour bus and uh, when we were uh, out on tour with Chad, uh-huh. and we pulled in, and I used to work at the grocery store, the Brookshire Brothers, okay. right there on the main intersection, and we pulled in there with the tour bus, <laughs> and I got out and took a picture next to the tour bus with the store in the background. Nice. And okay. just kind of a, you know, just to have that, kind of paid homage to my very first job. Is anybody in the store that you recognized? No, I didn't even go in the store. Oh, he was like, I just got out for the photo op. Yeah. And you have siblings, yes? I do. I have an older sister. Uh, she lives in down in Yoakum, Texas. Oh, my goodness. You know where Yoakum's at? I, my family, the Malinax, we're from Shiner area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so let me stop for a second. Shiner is a favorite town in Texas of mine because of the Shiner Brewery. Absolutely. And the reason I took pause when you said Yoakum, that's where my great-grandmother ended up living in retirement. But yeah, uh, that's that's pretty awesome. What a small world. I mean, it's a small town, too. Yeah, it is. And uh, well, my mom lives with my sister there now. Uh, the, my brother-in-law's in the oil field, so uh-huh. it years, years and years of that eventually took them down to Yoakum. Right. And uh, my mom's like, I think I'm just going to move down there with your sister. And uh, I did backflips and said, all right. And uh, so <laughs> it, okay. it, it works out. All right. All right. And now you did go to Palo Alto Community College. Now, this was later on, kind of later in life. I went back to school at 30. Oh, wow. And uh, I, well, maybe 29, I guess. Uh, oh, I'm aging myself quick. I'll believe um, whatever you say. 
And I have so, no way to verify this. Yeah, thing. yeah, you can. I got a plaque on the wall. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I went back to school uh, to become a surgical technologist. Yeah, um, worked in the operating room for. Oh my goodness! So I mean, I went to Palo Alto. I did all the prereqs for nursing school. I was going to go into nursing school. And you were going to be what the the guy that the last person we see before we pass out for surgery? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm the guy passing the inter- instruments to the doctor and stuff like that. But yeah, I was going to go to nursing school and be a nurse. And I came home after I did all the prereqs, accepted into nursing school, and told my wife, I said. I don't want to be a nurse. Oh, no. And she's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I have no idea. And so the next step was easy to jump right into surgical. I didn't want the responsibility. I'm not, I shouldn't be left with that kind of responsibility that the nurses do. You know, and I know that. I can accept the fact that I probably should not be that responsible. Okay, but all of the money that you sunk into that education well, thankful. Help you with others? I say, uh, yeah. I was, uh, uh, of course, I'm a Marine Corps veteran, and they, uh, in the state of Texas, we have what they call the Hazelwood Act. Okay. Which it basically, you don't, you don't have to, it doesn't reimburse the college for the tuition. It's just, uh, you pay no tuition. Okay. All right. And so to a public, you know, public school. So okay. I went, fortunately, I went to school. I did all that, but I still used all those classes because right. a lot of the classes are the same. I just I just took a different direction. You could save somebody's versus, life. Yeah. So um, <laughs> still, and I didn't really realize the responsibility in a surgical technologist is still pretty high. Yeah. But there's always somebody above you in the in the at the operating table. Okay. You know? All right. There's a doctor there. He's the man in charge. Well, I know enough Marines to know that you never refer to someone such as yourself as a former Marine. Yeah. All right. You're uh, former's former's okay. Or oh, one, former's former, okay. Former's okay. You can say you never say ex marine. Ex marine. Maybe yeah, that's what it is. So. Okay. All right. So, uh, well, I guess is this where I say oorah? Oorah. You got that? You, you've had a practice with Yay, Marines. That's right. Okay. So you were in the Marines. T- tell us about your time in, um, in that branch. I went in in uh, 1990 after the judge and district attorney of Tyler County decided that would be my best option in life over mm-hmm. going to jail for unauthorized use of a motor vehicle, which I took a joy ride on a tractor. And I think it was all a plot and a plan from my dad and uh-huh. from everybody that kind of, anyway. You were set up. Yeah, I think I was set up to well, go right uh, into the Marine Corps. It worked out perfect for me. So uh, whose, whose tractor was it? I, I don't even remember. Oh, no. So was it, it was just, it was one of those roadside crews that cuts uh grass on the side of the road was alcohol involved yes definitely how how long of a a drive did you get on the track Uh, we only went like a mile i was taking it back there were several of us we were taking it back and the wheel fell off i don't know how that happened oh what bad timing for you it was i all we were almost back to where we got it from and wheel falls off so we had to leave it right there yeah okay so you go into the Marines. Went to the Marine Corps in 1990. Okay. And uh, did you have to go to Paris yeah, Island? Or, I went or? to San Diego San boot Diego. camp. San Diego. Okay. I get through a boot camp. I go into uh, MCT Marine Combat Training out there on Pendleton. Yeah. I get through there and I go to uh, North Carolina. And about that time, it's uh, early 1991, and when Desert Storm, yep, kicks off right as I'm finishing up my school for motor transport uh, oh, mechanic. And so I finish up that and then go straight over to 
Desert Storm. Wow. And uh, but by the time I got there, it was kind of desert. I, I make a big joke. It was desert cleanup. That, yeah. It, it, it was a quick war. It was quick. It was over before I got there. Uh-huh. I got over there and hung out in the desert for six months. Six months. Okay. And so eventually you get out. Yeah. Um, eventually. Yeah. After a couple other deployments here and there around the world. Okay. Got a while in the Marine Corps. I did about 26 countries. Oh my uh, goodness. Just because of the units that I, I was with. How many years were you in? Four years. In a very short time, because each unit I would go to, we would get deployed on ship. Well, when you're on ship, you hit ports every 10 days or so, and you're at a different country. Wow. What's the best country? Which country did you enjoy the most? United States of America. <laughs> okay. If Followed by Australia. Okay. I really like that. Um, I, I enjoyed Indonesia. Hmm. Uh, we went to Sarabaya, Indonesia. That was, uh, it's just it is one of the poor countries. It's kind of it's every every country I went to is kind of dirty. I always just felt like it was just dirty. What, it made what, me appreciate the United States. I bet it did. What's the weirdest country you've ever been to? Weirdest country? <laughs> uh, well, I've been to I've been to Hong Kong. Uh-huh. So and I found that to, of course that was while it was still under British control, uh-huh. and uh, I it was weird, but it was uh, we had a blast there. I think I spent twelve days there. Do you um, feel their struggle? I mean, were you there long enough yeah. to really understand? Well, no, because during that time... Oh, yeah, that's right. It was during During British that time, yeah. it was there was no communist yep. government trying to come in and change their ways. Yep. So. Okay. So when you were a kid, did you ever think, this is the kind of job I want to have, where I'm just talking for a living, appearing on camera? Um, is that ever anything that crossed your mind when you were young? No, absolutely not. I, uh, at 16, I started working at a grocery store. And worked through high school at the grocery store, all the way through high school until, you know, I went in the Marine Corps. And uh, so I always thought that I was just going to be a grocery store manager in my hometown or something. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> right. going to be 70 years old stocking milk, you know. And uh, uh-huh. glad I'm not there. Right. So how did you end up with Chad in doing what you do today? About, I would say about 12 or 13 years ago, I had a buddy of mine that was a musician. And he said, hey you want to come out on the road with me? And so I went out on the road with him. He's like, yeah, man, you can sell some t-shirts and stuff like that. And well, the next thing I knew it grew into being a tour manager for a couple of different Texas country bands over the years and, uh, kind of led to that. And I've known Chad for, uh, probably 10 years now. So there came a point where he said, dude, one of these days you're going to come work for me. And I'm like, hey, yeah, doing what? Because at that time, he was like not doing what he's doing now. Uh-huh. He said, don't worry about it. And then fast forward several years. And when he ha- first had that uh, first truck video that went viral, um, I was at that time, I was kind of in uh, I was kind of in limbo. I was traveling with my wife, who's a nurse. She was okay. uh, taking a travel contract up to uh, Billings, Montana. Oh, wow. And so I'm up there, and he's like, dude, what?" he calls me. He says, dude, what are you doing? And I said, I'm off the road. I'm traveling with my wife. He said, dude, I'm serious. You're coming to work for me. And I'm like, well, when it's a full-time job, call me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and fast forward just a few months later, <laughs> and it was, he's like, I need you now. Wow. Come, come be my tour manager on, on the road. Take care of all my needs and, and all that kind of stuff. He, he so, remembered. Yeah. Tell us about your podcast, Beer for Brunch. All right, beer for brunch. I uh, I would say about uh, October, September, October of this past year of 2019. Uh, Matt Lock that used to be on the Blaze uh-huh. um, had he has lock lock and loaded is one of his podcasts. <laughs> yeah. um, he asked me. He says, 
hey, I really need somebody to come in. And I used to do this show called Beer for Breakfast. <laughs> I want to revamp it. I want to take Fridays off from all politics and just come in and do something that's fun. Cool. And so I'm like, okay, I ain't got nothing else going. I mean, other than, you know, doing the stuff with Chad. And uh-huh. as long as I just have to show up, I can do it. Because I'm not, a, I'm not a production guy. I'm not a microphone guy. I'm not a TV guy. I, I can plug in a cable if you tell me where to put it. And uh, I like he it. says, you don't have to do anything. I just need you to show up, drink beer, and just talk about life. Wow. And I'm like, I can do both of those. And he called with, you? Yeah, he called me. I want that call. And so, <laughs> so he's like, dude, we can really build this. You have a great social media following. Wow. I have my followers. We're going to kind of combine all those, and we're going to put them on this one show. Well, we're doing it on his on his podcast. You know, that was just his Friday show. Within about three months, we're like, man, we got to put this on its own. It needs to be a standalone deal. So we do that. We put it. It's everywhere podcast. It's called uh, Beer for Brunch. Everywhere podcasts are available. Then – in december we had got so many requests of people would uh send messages they would send emails or say we want to see what y'all are doing Uh and we're just drinking beer we're going to craft breweries we're sometimes we set up in our in in the garage smoke a cigar and, and drink beer and talk about that beer whatever that craft beer is and talk about life and so everybody wanted to see what we were doing so we had to put it on youtube so the natural place to put it was Party Foul Nation YouTube channel, which is my YouTube channel. Yeah, and we need to get to that, how you got and, that nickname. Yeah, <laughs> we can get to that. But, uh, so Party Foul Nation, it was just a perfect fit to put there because I already had a merchandise line on PartyFoulNation.com. I, I already, the Party Foul character has been around way before the Chad Prather I was going to say, thing. I, I probably shouldn't have introduced you when we started as Steve Powell. People were like, who is he talking to? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Party Foul Steve. Yeah, so that's, a, that's what I'm kind of known on yeah. Chad show on the Beer for Brunch mm-hmm. on, and on everything else that we do. And we just uh, we added another show on Party Foul Nation uh, called uh, Paladin Lifestyles, which is uh, Paladin is a cigar uh, lounge here in Fort Worth. And so now we have a show that is from uh, the cigar uh, experts, I guess, uh-huh. and uh, aficionados. And they get on there and uh, talk about uh, cigars for 15, 20 minutes. You think, <laughs> oh, man, this is – what can you talk about a cigar? Man, these guys know the ins and outs of everything, how a cigar is made and why they choose this and that. And I'm educational. I get to kind of get to be in the directing mode on that one because I'm not on that. We're going to turn these two guys loose on their own. We're just going to go in there. We'll set it up and then let them talk about cigars for however long they want. Is all of the information on how to find you – and all the stuff that you're involved with, is that PartyFoulNation.com? No, if you go into Facebook. Go to Facebook. And uh, PartyFoul Steve. PartyFoul Steve. Punch that in, and yep. both of my deals will come up. I, yep. You know, my personal page. And uh, I, my personal page is uh, it's pretty full as far as, like, friends and stuff. But you can always hit follow on that one because I'm wide open. Okay. At this point, I'm kind of – my whole life is an open book mm-hmm. from uh, beginning to – current it's uh you can go in there and look at whatever you want and so i have i do have there is a party foundation 
Facebook and stuff like that. But okay. if you go to Party Foul Steve, you can kind of get everywhere that I go. And I'm on Instagram, too. It's Party Foul Steve. Okay. Are you on Twitter at all? I'm on Twitter. It's Is Party Foul Steve. That's Party, easy. I'm sensing I, a, a pattern here. I, I do. I just keep that name. I'm trying to keep that name everywhere, and uh, including my Venmo's Party Foul Steve. In See, case I'm, it, <laughs> I, I'm going with the, uh, the ever-catchy Keith Malinak yeah. to describe me. But Party Foul Steve, look for him all over social media. So you you manage to stay quite busy during the week, yeah? Yeah, I I do. We uh we, we're doing that show. We're also doing another show on there called Whining wow. Women. Wow. Which is we're producing one that is with our it's our wives, and I'm the I'm the host of that one. It's we're putting our wives on camera, and they're both just uh, it's going to come together fine, but it's. It, it's on it's on unsteady legs right now they're just you know nervous as a house cat in a room full of rocking chairs <laughs> and your wife's name is tony tony mm-hmm. you've been married almost 20 years now almost 20 years wow good for yeah. you so I'm, I'm lucky guy <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and you guys have kids yeah we do uh we have four kids total um i had three from a first uh very short marriage and uh she came in and raised those kids as her own, and oh, cool. then we have one between us that is uh, almost 17 years old. Yeah, because your other three kids are in their early 20s. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, have a son in the Army preparing to go to law school right now. Oh, wow. And uh, he just finished his bachelor's in criminal justice. Our oldest daughter is in the Army. Her husband's in the Army. They're in Kansas. The middle... The middle upper daughter, middle the upper, upper middle daughter, upper middle. Um, her husband's in the Navy. They're in Oklahoma City Wow, at Tinker Air Force Base. So wait a minute. What's the Navy doing yeah, based they, in a he, landlocked state? Because they wire aircraft, and that's like ah. the one of the only places they do it, I guess. <laughs> that's and, cool. Yeah, I always, th- it's like, well, at least you're not going to, you're not on a ship yeah. somewhere deploying around the world. Sure. Yeah. All right, and you're a grandfather too. I am a grandfather. Uh, three grandchildren. I figure wow. with um, my oldest has one, and he's uh, two and a half. And then next daughter has a two and a half year old, and then a, a little over a one one year old. Mm-hmm. Um, How old are you, man? Uh, I'll be fifty in September. Wow, you do not look it. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, I'm not hitting it's, on you. I'm it's just a saying. beautiful, luxurious hair. Uh, uh, wait, just did. wait, was that yeah. a dig? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Could it be? I took my cap off. Did you? No, sir. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Okay. Now, now that being said, if I um, I do not color my hair, but I color my beard, and it's because I'm vain, and I'm your just your hair is darker than your beard. I know, but I only colored enough just because oh. I don't want all the white showing. So sure, yeah. It's, you know what that reminds me this is the part of the show where i take your picture oh do you want a hat off or hat on well, it's your it's your decision i mean do well, you normally this pay is tribute how, to the old because, houston Oilers. Yeah, it, it's a houston Oilers cap uh-huh. i wore a houston astros hat for years but after um Hold on. i don't know why i had to I had, to I had to pose for a picture yeah <laughs> but after the whole astros debacle yeah i got tired of having to defend have, have that conversation yeah have that conversation so i was like screw it i'm gonna swap over to uh <laughs> houston oilers hat which we've, we've had that conversation you and i and i know you're not happy with that with uh, your team no i'm not happy at all smile again okay cool Thank All right, <laughs> so I switched over to the Oilers hat, and so people just have to get used to it. And people would all, used to say, "Well, why do you always wear that hat?" Because I am that I am that guy that I like being recognized at the airports. We travel two hundred twenty five, two hundred fifty thousand miles a year in Ooh. the air. Wow! And so 
it's uh, it's fun to go through an airport and they go, oh my gosh, party foul Steve, and take a picture and sign an autograph and stuff like that. That's and really cool. It's uh, it happens, and then you have there'll be that one person that knows who you are, and then there's there'll be three or four hundred over there. What is that all about? <laughs> it's like I don't care about the other three or four hundred, just that one. <laughs> That's really cool. Awesome. So you get up really early. You know, you came in early for this conversation today, and I appreciate that. And you told me, yeah, I, I get up early anyway. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I mean, I do too, but not by choice necessarily. Well, so why do you get up so early? Because I, I think it's because my wife has to get up so early for her okay. work. Yeah. So it's just kind of def- by default because I'm naturally – I could get up early, but if I would have – I could – go right back to bed at like eight or nine and sleep my best hours from 9 a.m to about noon oh. i've just been on those musician hours for about 12 years now yeah so our sleep is usually you know you go to sleep at midnight two o'clock in the morning you sleep four or five hours <laughs> and then you would get up and drive to your next venue or or something like that okay and so it'd be, it's just weird sleeping pattern um if i need to go take a nap i can go take a nap right now oh wow and it wouldn't even See, that's my, bother me. that's my curse, man. I cannot sleep during the day. Yeah. It's got to be bad news if I'm <laughs> able to fall asleep during the day. So as busy as you stay with all of your projects and all of your podcasts and, and what you do and traveling, mm-hmm. when you do, in theory, get some free time, what do you like to do? I love to fish. So if I have a if I have a free afternoon or something, uh, I don't get to go to the places I want to go fishing, but I can fish <laughs> close to home. We have a couple of area ponds that I can go and you know wet a hook. And I asked you, I sent everyone the email with questions. You know, what do you like to do for fun? One of the things you mentioned in response to that was doing the beer for brunch podcast. Yeah, because that's really a hobby. That's We're, what I was going to say. Yeah. How great is that, that, yeah. that you're doing I, a job that you look at as a hobby? Yeah, because for Beer for Brunch at this point, it's not making any money other than uh, I haven't bought a beer and I don't even know how long. So many people. <laughs> haven't had to. I haven't had to. We'll go to the breweries <laughs> and stuff and we try to pay for our beers and they're like, no, no, thank y'all for having us on uh-huh. and the beer's on us. And matter of fact, here's you some to take home. And so, and then with all the other travels, people want to hand us beer and say, hey, take this back with y'all. Do an episode of Beer for Brunch. So <laughs> we we get plenty of uh, beer to try and experience. And uh, That is awesome, man. I, I've always been that guy that drank uh, Coors Light or Bud Light. <laughs> so this has all been new to me to drink, you know, IPAs and these lagers and these uh, milk stouts, which I'm still not up big fan of <laughs> <laughs> but it's free let's not forget but it's free yeah and so now and we added the the adding the cigar show it's the same thing now once a week i can go sit at the cigar shop and get to do their podcast and like i say i'm not on it but i kind of help get to direct it and while i'm smoking a cigar really great so do you do a lot of camping as well no, not as much as I want to. My camping gear is in a couple of big boxes up in the attic. We just haven't had time. Right. I wish. And you like, oh, when the kids were younger, we, we all went camping because we go to my favorite place to camp is Inks Lake. And that's uh, down uh, outside of Fredericksburg. Okay. 
in that area any any place in that hill country some beautiful you know state parks and stuff like that you can uh go camping at and the kids kind of grew up going camping and fishing and it's been a while that kind of stuff yeah Yeah. it's been a while once the kids start getting older and out of the house you kind of go i would take some mom and dad time so it's been kind of good because we've been able to go on vacations that we couldn't necessarily do when we had all the kids in the house and right they're all jealous and (laughs) and i hear so many people bring up the hill country down around austin and i know it's beautiful i've seen pictures i've got to get down there is there anything you would recommend if someone had a weekend to spend in the texas hill country i would go to i would start off in the Braunfels. okay yeah and there's lots of stuff to do there. You can see some of the oldest dance halls in Texas that have been around for wow. forever. Um, you start there at Green Hall, and uh, there's if you are a motorcycle enthusiast, there's some great. And I no longer have a. Mo- I went through my midlife crisis and bought a motorcycle. <laughs> I had a Harley for several years, okay. and uh, but I would drive all those. You know, tra- I say trails, but you know, you're on hi- you're on the highway. But Devil's Backbone. There's several. You know rides that you can go on that is just gorgeous just good hiking trails down there good hi- too? yeah you can go to uh there's several like i say even on inks lake there is but there's uh pardonalis um that's a great that's great hiking trails there's uh, you know just miles and miles we take the kids go go down there and do uh even with the kids six or seven miles on a on a saturday afternoon and they loved it. They didn't know they walked six or seven miles. <laughs> you'd have told awesome. them that before. They would, you no, know. No, I don't what? want to. <laughs> Exactly. So you've got, what, dogs as pets? Yes, I do. I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback. He's two years old okay. and weighs about 80-plus pounds. He's he's a monster. And what's his name? Uh, Rody. Rody. Yeah, because he's a Rhodesian Ridgeback. I got it, yeah. His name is Tough Rody Hobbs. Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out. And because, and that was because there's three of us in the house, and we couldn't decide on a name, so we got all three of the names that um, that yeah, we had. That poor confused dog. Does he? Yeah, we just call all it, three. We just call him Rody. Okay. So, um, so if he, if he heard the word Hobbs, he'd be like, "What?" Yeah, he would. He totally wouldn't. And Hobbs comes from uh, Rock Johnson. You know, The Rock. And oh. one of the one of those movies. Yeah. And now tough. I, I was hoping you were going to say Calvin and Hobbs, but oh well. No, not quite. But uh, <laughs> so tough came from Tough Hedeman, who was uh, bull rider. Okay. And uh, of course, Rhodey is kind of just short for Rhodesian. And, and you've got Cash. Um, yeah, we have Cash. He's our oldest. He is the half Dotson, half Corgi, or. Uh, we really don't know okay he's just cash. he's just cash okay. and he he's our seven-year-old he's the old man and uh he's he's our boy and it's no surprise that you love classic country texas country that's what yeah. you wrote as far as your favorite music but yeah here's that my is question for you what is the difference between how can you tell the difference between classic country and texas country okay think uh country music that you hear on um mainstream radio and stuff like that it's uh it's a, a very well polished everything is perfect uh-huh. i mean it is and everything is yeah. to that certain beat that is just catchy just you know a lot of studio magic a lot of studio magic mm-hmm. now i like the more stripped down raw what i call raw that's not to say they didn't go in a studio and and do some things but it's not auto-tuned sure. per se I'm not sure i'm not saying they don't use any of that on that they try to keep it as real and simple. raw and simple as can be yeah that makes sense and you might go oh that's not very good <laughs> it's it 
comes down to music appreciation okay. and what that artist is doing. When you realize what they do in a studio to make the perfect sound, you start going, well, that's magic. It uh-huh. is magic. It is Houdini kind of stuff that they pull off. Yeah, let, let's hear how that sounds when you're on stage would, later. Exactly. I want to be able to walk, you know, go into a, mu- you know, go to a concert and go, oh, yeah, this is what I hear on the album. You can't do that most of the time. Okay. You, most of the time you go into, you go to a concert and you listen to the radio, you're getting two different versions. Yeah. And you're like, who is yep. this guy on stage singing? Yep, yep. That makes sense. In that Texas music scene, what you see on stage and what you hear on stage is what you get on that album. Right. So it's not like a surprise. So who's your favorite artist, would you say? Favorite artist in the Texas. Uh, probably if you go for lyrics, lyrically, Whatever would be, like, uh, yeah. I would go with Jason Boland. Okay. Um, but I am a huge uh, Kevin Fowler fan. Uh, did work for him on his ranch for mm. uh, seven years during the whole touring for with bands and stuff. He had a, had to have a weekday job, so I was his. I worked on his ranch doing ranch work. And it seems like country music singers are the most genuine of the music realm, uh, as far as uh, the same kind of person that you expect them to be. As opposed to others that might be really disappointing. Yeah, yeah I think I think for the most part, the ones that I worked with and right. dealt with, if they weren't genuine off the stage and on, you know, I'm like, nah. See you I, later. See you later. Okay, let's see here. Last song you had on repeat, and you can make Last this up. If no, you it's not. I don't have to make nothing up because <laughs> it's uh, it's just recently our buddy Aaron Copeland. Yeah, he's a Texas country artist, young guy. Okay, and um. He ha- he wrote a song that is uh, that we use. It's called "Drunk as Hell." <laughs> we use it for the beer for brunch uh, music intro and outro to the show. <laughs> and uh, so, did he write these lyrics while he was drunk as hell? Or? Yeah, so I'm probably saying he has a lot of <laughs> drinking songs, which, and it's kind of funny because you know if you these days if you write a song that's all about alcohol and about beer drinking and stuff it's hard to get played on the radio Uh, it's kind of got they have certain criteria if it doesn't meet well the the song still went number 10 on the texas music in that texas music scene and stuff in the charts oh wow so to be able to have a song that didn't meet criteria that they radio didn't want to play it still did pretty good and we said hey man that's the song we need to use for beer for brunch and he (laughs) says y'all can use it nice so that's really cool man that's awesome so I asked any interesting talents you have. I, my only talent is, like I said in the beginning, is um, making sure I'm around talented people. <laughs> I, I, I really think I just end up in the same room with the right people. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, it's crazy because uh, one minute, you know, I'm doing one thing and the next minute I'm uh, – up in new york city on fox you know with the fox and friends sitting on the couch on the curvy couch and you know rubbing elbows and then the next uh the next week in a room uh at john rich's house from big and rich (laughs) sitting up at their bar with big kenny and john rich uh sipping whiskey and it's like and then be down the street at another place with some of the best songwriters in nashville that write all the songs you know being involved in that kind of stuff and then you know next week out in la you know with chad pitching for a sitcom uh sitting in a room full of you know executive you know that do all the and writers that write these sitcoms and stuff 
and I'm like, how did I get in this room? Is this a bit, you know, am I being pranked in life right. to be able to, you know? You I know, think like, we've all had moments like just, that. You're yeah. just around all these people. I mean, I get that. And there's, uh, look where we work. Look at that. Right. The the influential people that we get to, you know, walk down the hallway and say, hey, what's up, Glenn? Yeah. You know, or whoever. And it, it's, but it's, and the people that come in here that are guests on all, you know, the shows right. throughout the place, it's like, this would never this would never happen in a, in real life, but it does. Right. And it can. And Okay, so you say that, and you talk about all of the uh, connections that you have and all of the important people that depend on you. Yet I'm curious about the answer that you gave to the next question, which was, what is something people don't know about you? And do you remember your answer? I don't even remember what that, I don't even remember what that answer was. Okay, what, well. What did I say? It seems directly opposed to what you just said. So I want to, I want to flesh this out if you would like to, but the response to what is something people don't know about you is I lack confidence in myself, yet will absolutely put myself out there. Okay, that it, no, I absolutely do lack confidence in myself okay. every time I sit behind a microphone. Despite all of the great I, connections you have and all of the people that depend on you and the fact that you can change your career on a dime, like the nursing school stuff, yeah. and yet you have managed 180 degrees from that profession been able to be successful but still have an extreme lack of confidence yeah, sitting behind about? a microphone or sitting in front sure. of a can of, in, in front of a camera mm-hmm. uh it's uh it's i'm gonna i'll tell you this when i was growing up when, when i was born i was born deaf okay okay so when i was two years old my mom finally found a doctor that would believe that i w- could not hear well it turned out i had uh i was born with uh adult size adenoids which closed off you to get technical anyway i couldn't right. hear okay so i wasn't talking that wow. kind of thing so fast forward did surgery corrective surgery at two and a half years old how did old. she figure out that, that because she just knew because i was not talking was it one i wouldn't she said i would communicate to movement and stuff like the doctor she'd take me to the doctor and the doctor would clap and i would respond uh-huh. and well she would tell him no he's responding to your movement right not the sound okay so finally a doctor that believed her and uh dr maddox in uh houston of course he's passed away now but that was in 1970 72 he uh he was reconstructing uh eardrums and stuff in the 70s and doing that kind of stuff so um he's very well known in that um i guess in an auditory kind of sense of things and Uh like building and reconstructing eardrums uh all kind anyway corrected my surgery uh did corrective surgery for me um i started hearing but it affected my voice nasally whiny kind of thing so i grew up with you know people making fun of the way i talked and made me real self-conscious about you know how i talk and uh fast forward you know up to i i would say about two years ago i had one of the one of those same guys that you know i grew up with that would make fun of the way i talk said he would say dude i don't miss a single show i listen to you every day <laughs> and i'm like winner winner <laughs> that is so awesome. it kind of that really that actually helped get me over me overthinking about it and then of course i think we're all of course we are on radio and tv and stuff but you still go through a, a phases of you're worried about what are they seeing what are they uh because I, we all look in the mirror and we see one thing mm-hmm. the world sees something else right 
and it that's something that's a struggle to go through finally i'm almost to that phase i just don't really care anymore but it's still it's still back there huh that's why i color the beard that's why you color the beard (laughs) that's awesome all right well that's why i wear the hat yeah yeah. (laughs) cover it up cover it up okay Uh, well that's that's interesting it that that's that's definitely something that people wouldn't know about you just watching you because you seem very comfortable and very confident just when you're when you're just in your element like with chad for example okay and i and i tell if people say well, why aren't you doing something on stage when chad does i say well i can go out there and individually talk to every single person in that auditorium and i can have a great conversation with each person no problem yeah put me on a stage in front of a room full of people and i'd be like uh i wouldn't know what to say it's almost like most people i guess right would would be flipped i don't know i I don't know because uh it's my wife has to speak in front of people okay okay. and she hates it she's great at it Uh. she's very very great at it but she absolutely hates that so that's everybody's different yeah Okay. What's something you want to accomplish in your lifetime? I don't um I, I just want to live life to the fullest every single day and I know that's kind of cliche. I, I mean you hear I, I just don't want to miss any opportunities to uh live life. Okay. I don't have a specific goal out there. Um other than I wanna just like I I do like living life, you know, candles burning at both ends. Right. I, I've gotta have I have to have that. That's, stay busy. Uh, stay busy. Mm-hmm. It's I need that. That I think that's good mental health for me. Um, taking a like, oh hey, a long weekend off. As long as I have something to do during that long weekend <laughs> off, can you ever and, unplug? Are you yeah, able to do yeah, that? No, not really. Yeah, me either. It, it, it's uh, I'm always on go. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm unplugged, I'm still plugged in. The brain doesn't stop. Correct. No. Okay. How many countries did you say you've been to? I think I'm up to about 31 or 32 now. Oh, oh maybe so. maybe some more. Recount that because I yeah. got you here at 33. Yeah, maybe it is 33. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to keep some of them. I don't know. Like it's uh, because we were uh, we did so much traveling and I had to go through and I I have little memorabilia from most of the countries, but there's a lot I don't. Do you count it if you just land in an airport and connect? No, I no, I I haven't <laughs> I haven't had any of those experiences where I've just landed and didn't get off an airplane. Or a lot of mine were like I said on a ship in the Marine Corps, and then of course going on cruises because I'm turned into one of those guys that I like going on cruises with the wife and daughter. And so we've gotten to go on a couple of really cool ones. And uh, most recent out-of-the-country uh, trip I went on outside of Canada, because we do live shows in Canada, mm-hmm. um, me and the wife took a trip to Ireland. Oh, cool. So we got to go over and spend a week in Ireland uh, with a bunch of Texas country music artists. Uh-huh. And uh, there again, I get put in a room full of uh, amazing people. Right, right. And those one-on-one connections yeah. you got. So you talked about collecting a memento from all of these places that you go. My mom used to buy a bell in each state that she visited. Yeah. What are some of the trinkets you would uh, pick we're, up? We're uh, coffee cups. Coffee cups. Yeah, my oh. wife is a coffee cup collector. Oh, okay. So, so are uh, these things on display then, or are uh, they in a box somewhere? 
they're they're in cabinets in uh two different cabinets at our house that are just it's just stacked full now most of most of these are states different states and stuff okay because we really didn't get in the coffee cup collection stuff until she started traveling with her job and so we started doing the coffee cup and thing. i know you want to get to alaska yeah we all do alaska and hawaii are two states i've never been to okay so how many states have you been to then all of them except alaska so just those and two just those yep. two What's your favorite state to visit? My uh, Montana. Okay. Believe it or not, Michigan. Wow. Michigan. I don't uh, believe I've ever heard that one. Because I lived <laughs> when we, uh, while she was traveling with the, the, her nursing job, we lived up there for six months. What part? Uh, Muskegon, Michigan. Okay. So Muskegon, Michigan. We lived on a peninsula between Mus- uh, Muskegon Lake. Uh huh and uh lake michigan hold up your hand there it's show, the me, pinky. show me where it is it's the pinky oh, yeah. okay so oh wait at the wait hang on i have to look at it like the thumb the thumb the other it's, side oh, it's over near toronto then right yeah, it's uh wait, right i'm th- wait which glove is it is it's the pinky now you've got me looking. yeah i'm looking at their hand wrong okay. i'm holding mine up but trying to show you so it's backwards <laughs> So um, I wish I could see us holding yeah, our hands and turning them back turn it, and yeah. forth. Okay, so you're over uh, on the west side. Then, yeah, huh? the west Mes- side. Oh, Muskegon. I see it. it's right on, the, right on Lake Michigan. I got so you. if you go out there, I live right on right <laughs> on that little peninsula. So we could throw a rock out our front door and uh, hit Muskegon Lake, uh-huh. and then just walk over to Lake Michigan, where it's a big sandy beach, just like you were going to the ocean. Okay. Saying so, the waves come in just like you're at o- it's just freshwater, not salt water. And uh, my son came up to visit us uh, while we were up there, and he's like, Dad, I want to swim in as many Great Lakes as I can in one day. And I'm like, <laughs> really? So we drove up to the UP, Upper Peninsula. Uh-huh. So in I've one day, get up there, in man. one day, he he swam in Lake Superior, uh, uh, Lake Huron, right? Uh-huh. I think that's it. And, of course, Lake Michigan. So in one day he swam he swam in three of the Great Lakes. How cool is that? Yeah. That's a story. Yeah, I see how they all kind of come together up there uh, around Mackinac Island. Yeah, yeah. Mackinac is beautiful. Yeah, that's where I want to get. That's you you got to get up there. Go in the summer, not in the winter. Yeah. Um, we did spend. We lived in uh, Berlin, New Hampshire during january february and march oh i bet that was when, warm. uh yeah it was negative 22 degrees oh, every, no. every day and uh i can remember we uh wife got off work at three or four o'clock in the afternoon and we were like the one restaurant in town that you could go eat at and sit down we went there to eat and we walked in the lady says um how's the weather out there and my wife says it's not too bad it's only negative nine wow. and i'm like Wait a minute. It's only negative nine, and it's not too bad. We need to get out of here. I think we've been here too long, dear. <laughs> yes. and, uh, yeah, it, that is uh, interesting how weather and our perception of it is really relative to where we are, where yeah. we're living. Because, you know, I went to school at the University of Nebraska, and I loved the cold. It was totally fine, you know. Then you moved down south, and it, it, you have these little spurts of cold, but they're so much more brutal because you're not used to them. Whereas yeah, it's, I, we get two days of cold weather here a year. Okay, what's your biggest regret, would you say? Did I answer that on that sheet? Yeah, Did let's I have see. A, you uh, said that uh, you wish you'd started applying some things five oh, to ten yeah. years. I would, I would say... Five uh, to ten years before you did. As far as that, uh, kind of in the networking 
aspect of it. And I'm talking socially networking mm-hmm. and stuff. I was probably doing that my entire life, but I never applied any of that to anything that I could do or uh, being able to. I'd probably make a great salesman if I was if I wasn't doing this, I could probably, you know, I could, I could probably sell cars. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I could or not. I'm not, you know, I, but I, I think I would be good at uh just being able to relate to people yeah and because of uh experiences that i've had that i've always been able to relate with with other people within a matter of minutes and usually especially most people in texas i'm usually kin to them within about (laughs) 30 minutes of a conversation with them or we know someone that they're acquaintances with okay so it's uh we're that whole kevin bacon game right we're a whole lot closer than that that they they say seven degrees of separation. Yeah. I say we're more like three or four, huh. and a lot of times a lot less than that. Wow! Um, especially the older we get, and the more that, especially nowadays, that because of social networking and stuff like that, and that's being pushed in. Think about the networking in the in all arenas of the workforce, and how they now they have these networking events all the time for businesses uh-huh. and things like that, and of course college networking i didn't i didn't get to go i didn't go to a like a texas a&m or university of texas where i have that alumni that um the people that did or have have that alumni for the rest of their life that they use in their it helps promote their businesses they help you know in every aspect there's they stay connected to where they went to the people they went to college and they do and you realize Oh, y'all do business with them and them and them, and y'all all went to Texas A and M. I'm just using A and M as an example, and that was, you know, my mom went to college. She was a school teacher. My dad never did. It was never pushed. Everything, and I was probably really not college material coming out of high school, not because I couldn't do the work or something. It's probably just because I wouldn't. Right. I was a lazy student. Oh, I mean, you didn't have to be lazy. You weren't lazy and. Taking that tractor for a joyride. No, I mean, no, that took, no. <laughs> that the, took some uh, effort. Alcohol got in the way, I'm yeah. sure. That's probably got in the way of going to school, too. Okay. Well, what's your most embarrassing moment that you've experienced in your life? Most in, uh, I probably have embarrassing moments that daily. You want, that you want to share. I, I was going to say, I usually have some kind daily. of. I, I really can't think of anything uh, that really stands out because uh-huh. I often do embarrassing things and kind of hence the name party foul. It just kind of, <laughs> just, it just kind of, it's my routine. It's, it's my daily it life. It is my daily life. And, uh, but everybody's like, well, where did that name come from? Where yeah. did that name Tell come us, from? Uh, the truth is during my college, when I did go back to uh, school in college, I was helping my uh, wife's uncle raise racing greyhounds. Okay. Which uh, turned out we did that for ten or twelve years, wow. and uh, I named one of my my first litter that I raised on my own. There was a friend of mine that had a had a song called Party Foul, and uh, I named a dog Party Foul. <laughs> well, that dog went on to be uh, one of the top dogs in the United States at in Wheeling, West Virginia, at that track, and. Wow. Uh, Made me a lot of money in a short time. I say a lot of money. I mean, you know, I'm not talking made me a million bucks. No, I wish. Mm -hmm. Um, But it did make a lot of money in a short amount of time. And so I got known as I would walk into a kennel at a racetrack and they were, you know, they just relate me to the dog. (laughs) So party foul. 
you know okay. so you kind of before you know it you're just kind of it's you're you're known okay. by party foul and that was it's not it's not some horrible thing that you did at a party once that, that oh i promise you i did all those horrible things at a party you know <laughs> i you know I, i've kissed the wrong wife i've oh, you know no. you know i've spilt no, my drink no, i've you know no, i i've no, done it no. so okay but you you made an interesting point you said you you've made a lot of money in dog racing for, uh, with with that dog party foul and you said yeah it's not enough it's not not a million bucks or anything like that so the wheels got to turn in my head. Anybody that you're familiar with that has made enough to retire in that business of dog racing or made a ridiculous amount of money to say, I'm a millionaire because I raise dogs that, because obviously horse racing. Yeah, there's, uh, it's kind of similar. Most of those uh, guys that, that make a lot of money in the dog racing business back then and it's it's one of those sports it's uh, unfortunate and i still have friends that are doing it and and surviving but it's one of those things as they come in and shut tracks down and stuff like that for animal you know because it's always the animal rights activists that are pushing that and um there's all it takes is one one bad egg in the industry and i'm not saying there's only one bad bad Mm -hmm. egg in the industry but all it takes is one and it just undoes all the good stuff that the good, responsible dog owners and breeders do. So was that just a hobby for you then? It, it was a hobby that turned into a full-time job That's for, what I was gonna ten, ask you. for 10 years uh, We that I was able to work from home, Oh wow! raise my kids on that farm, and teach them, you know, just work ethic oh, that's cool. and stuff like that. We had, you know, we raised 120 dogs at a time. Were any of them uh, as successful as Party Fowl? No. Oh. He was my s- most successful. Was that early on in your 10-year yes, run? Yes, it was oh, very no, early. And you just but no, he paid, for, he paid for building onto the farm and paid for feed for the other dogs and kept that, kept that going for, you know. Okay. He, is, he ran on uh, up there at that track for almost two years. Wow, okay. Biggest fear? Is that the self-confidence thing? I, I think so because I think that's a struggle – that we you know that somebody like that um i think it's uh biggest fear outside of outside of that uh and let's be honest let me just say so you're not in this boat by yourself i think all of us to one degree or another lack in self-confidence i i I think yeah no i i I believe so i i believe that too and uh and but we we're around here around a lot of people that are on the radio including yourself that are that do this every day and i know each one of them probably have their own lack of uh self-confidence yeah and i would just say that in your case i think what makes it unusual is that you do such a good job and you seem so comfortable and and you're able to at least project this natural state but yet that's interesting that that yeah. is where you feel. I think like Chad's show for the most part have, is really easy because I can really play just dumbest. <laughs> I can just play the ray. I I don't want to project myself necessarily as dumb, but I want to make sure that the that whatever whatever processes are going on in my mind about us because we talk politics, we uh, stuff going on in the news, that kind of thing, and I want to make sure that I'm thinking the way that most America does. Yeah. I don't want to be on the intellectual level of some of the guys that like chad he's a smart guy mm-hmm. and he's thinking everything real critical thinking skills through things but most people don't think that way yeah and i want to make sure that i'm able to 
whatever I say or a question that I may have is something that they can relate to. And I do get that. I said, thank you for asking that question or thank you for saying that because that's where I was along the right. lines where I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, And there was a story recently where it was talking about market cap, you know, a company's market cap. Well, I, I don't know exactly what a market cap. I have a general idea, but not enough to coherently try to explain it. So, you know what I've got in front of me? It's called Google. Yeah. And I'm going to use it. And then I'm going to share with the audience. Okay, so in case you were wondering what that is, here you go. Yeah, and I kind of do that. I sit over there on chat shows sometimes. People are like, what are you doing on your phone? Half the time I'm Googling something because I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't know, all right? And I'm not going to fake it. Okay, who in your life has had the biggest influence on you, would you say? And my wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, and I give her a lot of credit because she is the one that allows me to and I say allows me to if I if I told her I said hey let's pack up and move to wherever and I want to start I want to raise hamsters uh-huh. and she would be like okay <laughs> and I mean she would support it even if she was like and I say support it I'm talking about from the aspect of you go be you <laughs> and you if you think that that's what you do that. And now financially support, she'd be like, no, nah, that's not a wise, that's not a wise decision. Yeah. But, but if I tell her, if I, if I tell her I want to do this or I want to do this podcast, she absolutely hundred percent do it. You should. That's cool. Um, has never back down. I mean, this is a woman that stepped in and raised three kids that, that were not, a, she took the whole package deal. Right. And, uh, and ran with it and did an amazing job. That is and awesome. inspires me daily. I mean, she's a nurse that uh, had to go through, a, a, you know, all this crap over the last, you know, months of dealing with all that and never, you know, never sunk her head and said, I wish I didn't have to go. To-. She loves what she does. That is great. That is so awesome. Well, if people want to find you, I guess the easiest thing is pick their platform of choice, right? And type Part, in Party Foul Steve. Party Foul Steve will okay. get you everywhere. And uh, watch the Chad Prather show on the yeah, Blaze. Yeah, let's go, let's go over all the places they can see oh. you. Chad Prather on Blaze TV. Yeah, and on Pluto now. On Pluto as well. Thank so, you. Uh-huh. Which is, it's kind of it's weird turning on Pluto TV yeah. and then <laughs> see myself on the big screen. And, uh, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's where my uh, lack of self-confidence comes in when yeah. I see that. I'm like, why was I picking my nose? Yeah. Why am I touching my face so I much? I don't think that's a, a lack of self-confidence. I think that's just, we, we see ourselves on a big screen and we're just horrified we're like oh wait oh yeah. no I think I it just feeds into that though uh-huh. so um, you and can do that um, you got Beer for Brunch podcast Beer for Brunch podcast that's also available on the Party Foul Nation YouTube channel well, okay. so you can see that action go down okay. so just punch in Party Foul Nation YouTube mm-hmm. it'll pop up and then go find the Beer for Brunch we're putting out those out once a week okay you're everywhere, man. Yeah, Instagram, Party Foul Steve. There you uh, go. Twitter, Party Foul Steve. Venmo, Party Foul Steve. <laughs> I, I mean, that's if everybody that puts their Venmo out now. I'm like, <laughs> well, is there really people out there that want to send Party Foul Steve money? And I'm like, <laughs> hey, you somebody, never know. Somebody sent me, I still don't know to this day, somebody sent me a large screen TV for Christmas. Wow. A 65-inch HD 
4K Ultra. I, seriously, because my address just, is 1300. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just a fun thing about how my TV is too small and I can't watch sports. You can complain enough, I guess, on social media and someone comes through. It's, yeah, it's, I, I, I try not to complain too much. Right, but, uh, right. Hey, uh, big, pays uh, big off. screen TV is named It pays bad. off, Steve. Party foul, Steve. Uh, Steve Powell, thank you so much for making time. I really appreciate you joining me here for At The Mic. Thank you very much for having me. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Look for At The Mic Show on Twitter to connect.